Well, a few of you may remember me telling a story I told a few years back about a trip that I made to Russia. I was asked to come speak at a conference in Russia, and I journeyed all the way over there. It's like past the North Pole where I was, literally. And when I got, when I arrived over there in Russia, I quickly found myself on the outside of an inside joke. How many of you have ever been on the outside of an inside joke? Come on, come on. How many of you have ever faced that? So I faced that, and the way that I faced it was in, in all week long, literally from start to finish of the week, they, the, the lead pastor that I was there that I was speaking for, whenever there were other leaders around us, he would always look at them and he would look at me and say, at the end of the week, we're going to take Pastor Wayne to the banya. Now, I didn't know what the banya was. I'd never heard of the banya before, but uh, again, I don't speak any Russian. I only speak English. They're not talking in English most of the time. All I know is that whenever he mentioned the banya and Wayne, that he would literally start laughing, and they would start kind of chuckling and kind of high-fiving each other, and I'm like, yeah, this is awkward, you know, that kind of thing. And every day that he would do this, two, three, four times a day after services or at meal times or whatever, and, and uh, finally, the last day, uh, he said, tonight's the night. And I was like, tonight's the night that God's going to do great things in the service? No, 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 that too. But tonight's the night we take you to the banya. And so we loaded up. It was about 11 p.m. We concluded our last service of the conference. And we, they loaded me in a van. Now, it's pitch black. I just want to paint the picture for you. It's the darkness of night. I'm all by myself. Nobody is with me, okay? And I'm in the cold of Russia. It was free. Is the most cold I've ever been in in my whole life. And uh, they load me up. I'm not exaggerating. In a van that had no windows on it. Okay, so they throw me in. There's like eight of them. One of me. I, as I get into this van, I'm thinking if something happens to me, nobody would know. You know, I'm thinking, is there a secret life of this lead pastor that I don't know about? Is he really a man of God? Or are we headed to somewhere that, that is scary, you know? I'm thinking, okay, Jesus, I'm ready to come home and be with you, you know, that, that kind of thing. I literally don't know what's going to happen. They drive us 45 minutes uh, out really into the middle of nowhere. And we go the, down this really long uh, driveway, and then we pull up to this, like, cabin-looking thing, and they, and they say, okay, get out. It's time for the banya. Now, at this point, I still don't know what a banya is, but... It got really awkward. As soon as we got inside of the cabin, they said, take off your clothes. Now, how many of you know we just went from weird to really strange, like when they said that? So I, I'm like, okay. So I take off my clothes. They hand me a towel, and they're like, okay, it's time for the banya. And they point at this room that I would, I would know and that you would know as a sauna. And I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. It's a different word for sauna. What I didn't realize was it may look like a sauna, but it doesn't at all feel like a sauna. How many of you are, let me just see if you're sauna people. You enjoy a sauna, okay? I'm with most of you, okay? A couple of you in the room enjoy sauna. I, I, that's not really my thing, but I'm telling you, when I tell you I've been in saunas all across America, this was not a sauna. This was the hottest temperatures I have ever experienced in my life. Now, mind you, I live in New Orleans, like the most humid, hot place in the world, right? No, 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 no. These temperatures were so bad, and again, I don't speak Russian. So they're in there, they're conversing, they're talking, they're pointing at me a lot and laughing, and, and all I keep saying is, I, I very hot, I very, very hot. And I'm perspiring, and literally, just sweat is dripping down my 
face. And so I finally had to walk out. And they're like, you like Vanya? And I'm like, I'm trying, you know. And, uh, and they said, well, you're going to enjoy it, you know, the next time. I'm like, what do you mean the next time? And they're like, no, we go back in. We do this over and over and over. We, we come out for a minute, then we go back in. And so I'm like, we got to go back in. So we go back in. And I'm not kidding you when I tell you we went back in four times. So I'm, at the end, the fourth time, they're like, this is the best part. I'm like, why is this the, the best part? They said, because the last time that we're in the banya, we will take twigs and sticks and beat you with them. And they said, it's like American massage. And I'm thinking to myself, that's nothing like American massage. And so I remember so vividly laying there with this other pastor beating me with sticks and twigs in the banya and smiling from ear to ear going, banya is so fun, right, Pastor Wayne? I remember thinking to myself, how did my life come to this moment right here? How, were, how was everything arranged for me to arrive at this moment? What, Lord, what did I do wrong? How did I offend you to arrive at this moment here today? Needless to say, I probably won't making, be making any banya trips ever again in my life because that was an experience that I had that I literally thought to myself, why am I here? Why am I with these people doing this right now? And if we're honest here in the room today, that's the same thought that many of us have had multiple times in the place that we work. That thought of, how did I end up here? doing this with these people that drive me a little bit crazy, doing this job that I really don't care all that much about. It's this question of God, is what's the plan and what's the purpose of this particular season of life and this particular job that I'm doing right now? Now, all of us have asked this at one time or another. You may look at me and go, no, you're a pastor. You love every day uh, at your job. No, friends, I promise you there are days that I ask the same question, like, really, God? You know, that kind of thing. This is the plan. This is the, the purpose. And, and really, most of you would go, that's a, that's a rough deal because, again, the average American spends almost 100,000 hours of their life at their job. That's more hours than you'll ever spend on your hobby. If you spend more hours on your hobby than on your job, we'll be praying for you because you're not going to make it in this life, okay? But you spend more time at your job than on your hobby, more time at your job than you, than you do with your family, more time at your job than even sleeping most of the time. And so 100,000 hours, some of you are like, that's really depressing. That's a depressing thought. 100,000 hours of our life are dedicated at our jobs. And so some of you would say, well, I know the plan and the purpose. That's pretty obvious. Like, I know, I know why I have a job. Duh. Pastor Wayne, it's because we want a, a paycheck. Yes, we, we want a paycheck. Like, you know, you're like, I love, you know, I'm not going to work for free, man. There's a reason I'm doing this. First Timothy chapter five, verse eight says this. If anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So the paycheck is part of it. And the Bible makes it clear over and over that we are supposed to provide for ourselves and we're supposed to provide for our family. So the paycheck is a part of it. But I'm telling you, listen, if you stop at that as the purpose and plan for your job 
and the only reason you're there is to get a paycheck, how many of you know that will lead to a depressing life, hello? A depressing time at your job. If you're there, there just to get paid, to get a paycheck, to provide food for the family and, and, and all of that, there's got to be more than that. So when you think, I don't think that the question is necessarily the plan and the purpose. I actually think that the issue we have in our workplace, it's the same issue we have in our lives, and that is that we have a priority problem, a priority problem. Now, Jesus set us straight when it came to our priorities. The first priority that he gave us was we were to love the Lord your God, okay, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So that's our number one priority. Loving God is number one. And then it says, love your neighbor as what? As yourself. I, I think Jesus had some insight there, you know, when he's saying, hey, the way you love yourself, you got to love other people that way uh, just as much. And I think if you go back to that question of are my priorities in line, here's, here's the issue. The priorities that we typically have at our work are the same ones we have in our life. And that is priority number one is who? Me. Okay? No, that's the way it should be, is God. But many times we approach our lives as I'm the number one priority. And here's the question we ask when it comes to work. The question that we ask is, how can this job make me happy? How can this job make me happy? Now, we go into our jobs and we go, this job is not making me happy. I'm not happy with this job. So what do we do? We, we quit that job and we go to the next job because we believe that even though the last five jobs didn't quite do it for us, that this next job is the one that's going to make us happy. And what I want to do is I want to flip that over today and I want you to ask a different question. Not how can this job make me happy. Here's the question that I want you to ask. How can I make Jesus happy at my job? How can I make Jesus happy at my job? First Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16 is this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now, this speaks to a, a few things. The first thing that it speaks to is that we actually have a higher authority at our jobs than our boss. Let me take a quick survey here in the room. How many of you are the boss at your work? Raise your hands if you are the boss. My hand's raised. Okay, I'm the boss, okay, at my work. How many of you work for the boss? Raise your hands if you work. Come on. It's only one of two options, okay? You are the boss or you work for the boss, okay? So, so we've got actually pretty interesting. We've got a lot more bosses in the second service than we did in the first. Only a couple of us in the first. Here's what I want to help you understand. I'm going to help you understand by giving you an illustration of my, my son, Lincoln. My, my daughter, Libby, is 13 going on 20, and she has always felt like one of the reasons that she wakes up in the morning is to help Lincoln understand what he needs to do with his life, okay, on a daily basis. And so a couple of years into, Lincoln's pretty compliant by nature, but a couple of years into this boss sister that he had, he looked at her one day and made Christy and I smile, and he went, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. And Christy and I just kind of smiled and went, we knew this day would come eventually. 
and, and now here's, I'm not recommending that you go to your job and tell your boss that tomorrow. You're not the boss of me. Please don't do that, okay? Yeah, my pastor said, you're not the boss of me, okay? So we won't be able to help you when you lose your job. Okay, so here's, here's what I'm saying. In essence, your boss is not actually your highest boss. Your boss is actually Jesus. So how that translates is when you go to work, you've got to approach the way that you work and the integrity of your work and how you work. You've got to approach that with the opportunity and the honor that I'm not just working for a boss, I'm working for the boss. Hello? I'm working for Christ. When you go into your schools, as you're in high school or in college, when you go into that atmosphere, you've got to approach your work. You've got to approach that homework. You've got to approach that exam. You've got to approach that paper as, I'm not just doing this for a professor before a teacher. I'm doing this work for the Lord, for Jesus. That's how I'm approaching my work. Colossians 3.23 says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for who? The Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So then the question becomes, how do we serve Jesus at work? How do we do this? How do we actually approach our jobs in a way that helps us serve Christ at work? Because your purpose at work is bigger than than a paycheck. I promise you. Your purpose at work is bigger than a paycheck. Jesus gave us a picture actually in Matthew chapter uh, 5 verses 13 through 16. He actually gave us a picture and the way I want to describe this picture is as Jesus' job description for us. How many of you like job descriptions? Raise your hands. Be like, I love job descriptions. Am I the only one that loves job descriptions? How many of you like to know what's expected of you at your job? Okay, you like job descriptions, all right? So a job description really helps us understand why we wake up in the morning and do what we do and what we're supposed to be doing to fulfill those expectations. How can we be our best self at our jobs? And Jesus actually gave us a job description. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 gives us this description. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Now, in this job description that Jesus gives us, he actually gives us two kind of illustrations to help us model with the way we are supposed to be approaching our jobs. The first one is salt. And salt actually has two things that it accomplishes. The first thing about salt is that it is a flavor enhancer. How many of you like salt? Raise your hands if you like. How many of you, be honest, like a lot of salt? You, you appreciate a lot of salt. Tony's, any Tony's people in the room? Yes. Okay, Tony's is like salt. It's just like salt, you know? So, you know, if you approach your food by, I don't want to just eat. I want it to be enhanced. I want that flavor to pop when it comes onto my tongue, man. I really, really love salt. I love Tony's because I love how it enhances the flavor of the food. Did you realize that that is what we are called to do in our workplaces. Let me speak to those of you that maybe aren't Jesus followers yet in the room. Those of you that are, maybe find yourselves on the journey, you're investigating Christ or uh, wherever you kind of land on that. I want to tell you that people that are at your job that call themselves Christians, that are believers in Christ, those should be the funnest people to work with. Why? 
because they are going to enhance that environment that sometimes is full of negativity and pessimism and unkindness and grumpiness and, you know, and dread. They're going to enhance that environment and bring a, a lot more flavor to the environment in the workplace. Isn't that cool? That's what we're called to do. The other thing that salt does is it actually is, is a preservative. It's a preservative. Now let's look at that word for just a second. It'll be on the screen for you. The preservative definition is this. It's a substance added to food to prevent decomposition due to chemical change or bacterial action. Here's what you have to know. When there's no preservative, things decay. When there's no preservative, things go bad. Things rot, okay? And how many of you know that it is clearly obvious right now all across our country and literally all across our world, it is clearly obvious that our world is decaying, right? Am I alone here today? Yeah, it is. It's decaying. Our, our world is decaying. And you go to a place at your job that is full of decay. It is, it is full of a place an environment that is in decay. And what happens is you pack salt onto food to store it for long periods of time. And what, what happens is it keeps it from rotting. It keeps it from decaying. It preserves that environment, that food. You say, well, what are we preserving, Pastor? What is it that we're trying to preserve? Here's what we're preserving. We are in our workplaces to, to preserve the values and the teachings of Jesus. Hello? We go to our workplaces to preserve the values that Christ taught us and the teachings that Christ taught us and the fruits that Christ asked us to have in our life. We're preserving kindness. We're preserving gentleness. We're preserving patience. We're preserving generosity. We're preserving love. We are preserving those things at our workplace. And I just have to tell you, look this way, friends. I just have to tell you, there's not that many people that are waking up on Monday morning thinking, I'm going to preserve joy and generosity and love in my work environment today. Right? But this is the difference between a Christ follower and someone that ha isn't yet following Christ. We are actually there. We wake up in the morning to preserve the values and the teachings of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we go into our school, as we go into our workplace, as we go into the world, we're there to make sure that those things are preserved. Everybody say preserved. He also goes on, he first talks about salt, and then he goes on to talk about light. Let's look at this together. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. So just, just turn to your neighbor and smile at him and go, I'm light. I'm light. Okay? I'm light. Yeah. You are light. What does light do? It preserves, it, it, it penetrates, sorry, it penetrates what? Darkness. It penetrates darkness. And what happens is when a light is turned on in, in the darkness, it illuminates, it makes visible things that were invisible. So we are actually the light of Christ. And we have to understand that we're not the light. We are a light 
that is re- reflective of a greater light. John chapter 8, verse 12 says this. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the what? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the what? The light of life. So Jesus is ultimately the light that we're trying to reflect. The greatest illustration I can give you of this is the moon itself, okay? And so the moon actually doesn't exist to shine its own light. The moon actually borrows light from where? From the sun. So the sun is actually the light. That is what, in essence, gives the world and our daytimes light. We're just the moon, and our goal is not to have our own light. Our goal is to reflect the greater light of Jesus Christ. So how does this happen in our workplace? Well, it's very easy, friends. We, we approach our workplace as salt. We're going to preserve the values and the teachings of Jesus. We are going to enhance this environment. We're going to bring flavor to this environment. And as we do that, as we're kind and gentle and compassionate and patient and loving and generous, as we do that, then people go, how can you be this happy? How can you be this joyful? How can you be this kind? How can you be this generous? How can you walk out of the boss's office after I know you just got screamed at because all of us have gotten screamed at in the boss's office? How can you walk out of there and still smile? And still be so kind and so patient and generous and loving. And our response is, I can't. Hello? I don't know how to do that. My nature is not kindness. It's not loving. It's not generous. It is none of the above. It is selfish. And and it is unkind. And it is harsh. And it is critical. And it is slander. And it is gossip. We have the opportunity in those moments where people go, how, how, how can you approach this workplace thing so much differently than the rest of us? That's our opportunity to shine the light of Christ. To say, I'm not. I can't. But I know one who is the perfect light. And he is actually a, such a huge part of my life that as kindness happens in my life, as generosity and love happens in my life, and all of that, as that happens in my life, it is not because I'm naturally that. It is because I am connected to a greater source of light. And that light helps illuminate the darkness in my life. And then it goes on. It says, instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, I want to talk about that word placed for a second. Everybody say placed. Placed. Let's talk about placed for just a second. Placed, to be placed, is a very strategic word. If you are placed, you're not there accidentally. You're there very intentionally. Did you realize, look this way, that God has actually placed you right where you are in your school, at your job, because he has placed you in that spot where you go to work 
on a daily basis. He's placed you in that spot so you can be salt and so you can be light. So when you wake up on Monday morning, here's the approach. God, I thank you that you have called me to be salt and light to the workplace that I'm in today. And Lord, I'm not there by accident. I'm not even there just to get a paycheck, God. I'm there because you have strategically placed me there to affect the environment and to change this environment and to point people towards you. Now, how many know that'll get you up with a different kind of attitude on Mondays? Hello? That's much different than, oh, it's Monday. Can't wait till Friday. Can't wait till this is over. Got to go through the drudge. Got to go through the drudge. No, I want you to wake up on Monday morning understanding there's purpose, there's a plan, and God has you there to be salt and to be light to your world. Live your life in such a way at your jobs and in your schools, in the environments you find yourself in. Live your way in life in such a way that people will connect the dots between you and Jesus, that they will connect the dots in between you and Jesus. I think that's a slide. So there it is. Here's the question. How well is your life connecting people to Christ? Let me ask it like this. How bright is your light? How bright is your light. How bright is your light? Some of you have fallen into the trap of separating your belief in Christ and the, the, the life that you have in the walk with God, you have separated that from your workplace. So in other words, when I'm in my small group, when I'm there on a Sunday morning, when I'm in the, those church environments, that I, that's where I'm really engaged with my, my walk with God. But at, the, at work, I'm just doing work. No, friends, listen to me. What I'm telling you is if you're approaching your job like that, your light is actually not very bright. In fact, there's a good chance it's not even on. So what happens? Well, the darkness reigns when that happens. When our light isn't bright, the darkness reigns. There's nothing to penetrate the darkness. The darkness that exists in our world and the darkness that exists at your job. And so what has God called us to do? Well, he's called us to make sure that our light is bright. How do we do that? Well, it starts with that salt. It starts with enhancing the environment. It starts with preserving the values and the teachings of Christ. It starts with the, the, the kindness and the generosity and the love and, and the patience and all of that. It starts with that, but then it moves into not just being a nice guy, not just being a nice gal. It moves over into actually purposely reflecting the light of Christ in that environment at our school wherever it is. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to wake up tomorrow morning and to make sure that your light is bright. Go ahead and take out your phones for me and just follow my lead there, okay? You'll be like, I love, I love this moment. It's like we're at a concert. <laughs> hey, this is what I'm asking. I'm asking that you wake up tomorrow morning 
and that you shine bright in that workplace. I'm asking that people connect the dots between the way that you live and the message that you teach about who Jesus is, that that they would connect the dots between you and Jesus. When you go to school, that they would connect the dots between you and Jesus. I'm asking you to make sure that your light is bright every day. And I promise you, friends, if we'll live that way, we'll be able to wake up and go, thank God it's Monday because I have a chance to shine my light.